All right, today we are talking zero trust security. What many are saying is the new standard in cybersecurity. And to talk me through it, because I definitely don't know much, is Masaki Takeda from the Instillery. Let's get stuck in. So Misaki, today we're talking about zero trust security. I'm going to need you to talk to me like I am a small child because I really don't understand anything when it comes to zero trust of note at least. Um, but let's actually start with what does a typical day look like for a network delivery manager at the Instillery? Um, number of different, I guess, networking projects from our side. Some of it is deploying D-scaler projects, um, but also we get involved in uh, SD-WAN. Um, cloud networking, um, so connecting, how, how do you, uh, helping organizations connect to cloud environments, uh, whether it's Azure, AWS, uh, Google Cloud, uh, but also building the cloud network for the customer uh, in preparation for their cloud migrations, moving workloads into the cloud. How, how do you, uh, helping organizations connect to cloud environments, uh, whether it's Azure, AWS, uh, Google Cloud, but also building the cloud network for the customer uh, in preparation for their cloud migrations, moving workloads into the cloud. Um, so we, we, we work on a number of different technologies, uh, not just um, on-premise networking, but also yeah, cloud networking, um, cloud security as well. Right. So where or when or both did you first come across the term zero trust security, given that's what we're here to talk about? Yeah. So I think I think for us, it's been a... It has been a natural progression, I think. So we've been working with SD-WAN for about, I think, just over four years now. Um, so I would say we were one of the first, um, I guess, early adopters of SD-WAN. Um, being a cloud company, it was quite natural for us um, to move into um, into that whole SD-WAN um, industry. Um, for us, we we didn't really have an MPLS um, in the past. We, we went straight into SD-WAN and we've been working with the technology for who was the um the the first vendor you guys used for your SD WAN play? Yeah, so we traditionally we used um uh Meraki and Riverbed. So Riverbed was one of our I guess we had a, a tiered approach. Uh Riverbed was our enterprise SD WAN offering um at a at a earlier on. Um and Cisco Meraki uh we, we still do um, for SMB um, customers. And um what have you moved to in the enterprise space now? Because I think you guys have moved to ValoCloud, haven't you? That's right. Yeah. So we now partner with um, VMware or uh, VeloCloud or VMware for our enterprise um, SD-WAN offering. And what do they do that's that's different? What have they got that uh, provides a bit of that special source? Yeah. I mean, if you you know if you look on the internet, um, VMware SD-WAN is is highly regarded. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, they are, I guess, a purposely built um, technology. So they they've been um, an SD-WAN vendor for I think just over seven years now. Um, and if you look at different features, SD-WAN features, I mean, that, that's what they specialize in. Um, but then they have all these advanced features that you don't really get from some of the other vendors. Um, so things like, uh, like dynamic routing is quite important, right? Um, being able to integrate with legacy, um, legacy WAN. Um, so especially if you're migrating from your MPLS to SD-WAN, you still want to be able to do things like BGP routing. Um, you want to be able to influence path. Um, not, not many SD-WAN vendors offer that, but yeah, VeloCloud, you can do, um, you know, dynamic routing, BGP, OSPF. Um, but then it's the, the application awareness, uh, being able to prioritize application based on what's important for your business. 
are you, are you a big 365 user? So how do you, how do you go about prioritizing that traffic over maybe video streaming? Um, so being able to pick and choose, um, what application to prioritize, uh, but also the, the amount of visibility that we get from the platform. Um, and probably one of the biggest one was, um, ease of use. So we, I guess we, we co-manage our SD-WAN, um, solutions with our customers. So we didn't want a platform where we have to configure and manage things through CLI, for example, because I mean, the whole SD, SD WAN um, story is software defined. It should just be able to do it through the GUI. Uh, it should be nice and easy. Um, that was what, that was one of our biggest requirements is to have a easy platform that we can deploy and manage um, with our customers. Um, and they did that really well. It's a it's a cloud. It's a full, fully cloud managed solution. Um, it's powerful. Um, yeah, it's quite simple to navigate around. And um, what are their what are their price points like? Because I know yeah. for any other. MSPs are looking to evaluate options. Um, the, the features are, are one very important part of the puzzle, but then there's the the price points as well. So yeah, how do they stack up? Yeah, I mean, they, uh, we were actually quite surprised initially. Um, we, we somehow perceived VeloCloud um, being an enterprise um, vendor. We thought they were going to be quite expensive, I guess. Um, but if you actually talk to them and look at their price points, um, they actually stack up against essentially all of the other SDM vendors. So yeah. Right. Well, uh, instead of uh, putting yeah. you on the spot there and asking you to break uh, a whole bunch of NDAs, uh, <laughs> I will ask you to define zero trust security for me because I know, well, the little that I know is that instead of the old days where it was trust people inside the network and no one outside of it, now it's uh, much more of a don't trust anyone to do anything from anywhere. Can you just uh, run me through uh, how far from uh, accurate that is? So I think um, I think firstly, zero trust, um, It's it's... It's a term that's been adopted widely now. Um, different vendors, uh, I think zero trust means differently to a number of different vendors. Um, so it, has, it has become a bit confusing, I think. Um, I think if you kind of peel it back and like you talked about, you know, whole, the whole zero trust for us is, is really looking at um, access to your applications, um, kind of removing the network aspect from it. Um, so how do you provide um, users access to your applications securely without having to rely on on your network, um, so that, that's that's where, how we really see zero trust. Um, but then the, we, we kind of got to look at different use cases as well. Um, you know, user to application access might be easy for you know, a, your normal corporate environment. Um, but what does zero trust mean for things like uh, OT networks? You can't really adopt the same model um, in a in an OT environment, for example. So. Um, yeah, I think for us, zero trust doesn't necessarily mean one thing. Um, it's it's just looking at different use cases and how do we adopt um, the, I guess the theory of having least privileged access um, is, is, is how we adopt zero trust. Okay, so school me on that. Um, uh, least privileged access means what in real terms? Yeah, so I guess if you, if you look at the, um, the history of, you know, WAN, um, we had the MPLS WAN, which, which traditionally was a was uh, worked on a trust model, right? So you had a network, everything inside was trusted, uh, everything outside was untrusted. Um, so you kind of built this perimeter around your network, um, and you essentially trusted everything inside, whether that's your your servers, your your corporate devices, your users. Um, a lot of that's now changed with your users working remotely. Your applications are now in the cloud, um, so. It's really looking at, um, I guess, turning it upside down and looking at, you know, your network's no longer secure. 
Um, so how do we go about actually securing your users in your network access, your application access? Um, so for for us, um, it's it's really bringing it down to the device level. Um, so not not just controlling access based on um, you know network to network, um, but looking at okay, how, how do we how do we provide application access to your your devices directly? Um, so I mean, what we can do with things like um, um, some of the vendor technologies that we work with, like Zscaler, uh, it's you bring that application um, all the way down to your users. Um, so your uh, you have an agent on your machine, um, and what you can do is you can you can let the agent decide. Um, you can let the agent um, forward your traffic to um, the likes of Secure Web Gateway for all of your internet-based traffic but also for your internal applications directly from the device. Um, and we, we utilize the cloud um, security platform Zscaler to do that. So if you're, let, let's say you're on, on your computer, you're browsing the internet, um, 365, for example, Office 365, um, all of that traffic then gets forwarded onto your secure web gateway where all of the inspection um, through protection happens. Um, but then if you're accessing your internal applications, um, you then get brokered through secure um, access gateway for your internal applications, whether that's your on-premise data center or your cloud. Um, so essentially, your access, whether you're going out to the internet or your internal resources, um, you get brokered through uh, the cloud platforms, our security platforms. Uh, but it means you're, you're connecting to those directly from your device. Um, so you're no longer adopting, you no longer require network access to whether that's your internet or your internal applications. Um, and this works well because essentially this is the model that a lot of companies are adopting um, for remote work. Now that you're, a lot of your remote workforce are at home, um, outside, it's they're utilizing things like uh, remote access solutions to be able to get, in, get access to your internal corporate applications. Um, but then if you take the same approach for if you're on-premise, experience is the same, um, you have the same level of control. Um, so your, your network essentially becomes, your corporate network, you can treat it almost as as your, um, as your a guest network really. All that needs access to you is internet. Um, so from a networking standpoint, it becomes quite simple to manage. Um, so you no longer have to worry too much about network security in a way. Which is interesting, right? Because at a time when the the threats that we're facing are more complex than ever what you're saying is it's getting simpler to manage through the zero trust approach because you don't have to worry about um you know uh, certain um users having certain access based on a certain location or certain applications it's just a universal um approach to to each uh each each user mm -hmm. so yeah i mean Trying to secure the network, um, unfortunately, has become very complex, uh, especially in, in this day and age. So, um, it's certainly for um, for customers with. Uh, I mean, as I talked about earlier, um, there might be customers who still require strong network security requirements. Um, OT networks, customers who runs factory, um, you'll still likely need a level of network security. Um, but it's unfortunately it's very complex to manage. How do you how do you define, how do you segment the network? Um, you know, how do you secure the ports? Um, you can use things like network access control to do that. Um, but it's, 
it's not so easy to manage. Um, and if you're trying to adopt that same model for corporate network as well, uh, you're kind of making it more complex. Uh, the, your complexity level of trying to manage security across your network goes up. Um, if you take the, the different approach of, yeah, let's just not allow anything through your network, um, it does become the whole model of trying to manage security becomes a lot simpler. Um, yeah. Right. And, you know, where there's, where there's complexity, there's opportunity though, right? Because I know going back and, and maybe this is something I can get in um, Michael Russell, your CEO, to talk about with me one day. But I know when um, he was running Origin IT, they merged with the Instillery. Uh, a big part of the focus for the Instillery at that point was to to get that SOC uh, capability that, that Origin IT had running because as this space is more complex, it's it's going to keep evolving. The need for companies to look for that support externally is is just going through the roof. So that was a big part of the strategic vision for you guys. Right. So I know you guys work with uh, with Zscaler. Um, they were kind of first to market with that whole zero trust approach as a, as a cloud-based security platform. Um, a lot of other entities now have come to the market, whether it's Palo Alto, Cloudflare, others. How have you seen the market in that space evolve? Yeah, um, so you're right. I think Zscaler was one of the first ones uh, to be adopting the whole zero trust network access. Um, like I said, though, there are, uh, you know, zero trust doesn't necessarily mean mean one thing, um, especially with, with different vendors adopting the whole zero trust. Um, yeah, the, the different vendors trying to adopt zero trust into their, I guess, product portfolio. Uh, but yeah, we, we are we are starting to definitely hear a lot more um, around zero trust uh, being talked about from different vendors. Right. Um, and, you, and you say that um, that the term zero trust means different things to different mm -hmm. vendors. But but how wide is that variance in your view? It's it is really wide. Um, I mean, I've heard of some, I guess, zero trust vendors who who refer to zero trust as, I guess, not letting anything into your to your network, so very network focused. Um, I guess our view is, is very software oriented. Um, yeah, I guess depending on who you talk to, um, you know, the co different companies have different view on zero trust. And I think that's what kind of complicates uh, the whole conversation around zero trust is depending on who you talk to, it could potentially mean different things. Um, but I think, I think for us, like we initially said, um, it's really, Trying to simplify the, the network security is, I guess, trying to simplify um, access to your applications from your users, improving user experience. Uh, but really looking at how, how can we adopt a network that's um, secure by design, really? Um, yeah, so for, for us, that's what the, I guess, that's what's your trust. So paint, paint me a picture, like maybe using an example that you've run with in a, in a Zscaler Zero Trust deployment. Um, I'm thinking here, one of your large-scale deployments in New Zealand, maybe uh, the a city council, for example. Yeah. What was the the before versus after comparison like? You know, what what was in, in real terms, both for the end user and the network perspective, what did it look like before versus afterwards? Yeah, so I, th I think I'll take um, probably one of the, the financial institute that we worked with recently as an example. Uh, essentially, they had a they had an MPLS uh, network where. They had router on site, uh, they had a data center, um, and everything on the network between the sites and the data center was trusted. Um, there was no real firewalling in between. So if you wanted to, if you're on branch A, trying to talk to branch B or into the data center, um, essentially anyone can come in 
connect to the network and get access to your corporate resources or, or, or any, any devices on the network. Mm, okay. Uh, so what, what we had done for them um, is rolled out the Zscaler um, solution um, and essentially the corporate network now, um, what it looks like is almost like a, like a guest network, internet cafe. Um, so you connect to the corporate Wi-Fi, you patch into the corporate network. Um, all you get access to is the internet. Um, that's all you get access to, nothing else. Um, so you can't physically plug into your network and get access to your service, for example. Um, that's defined at the SD-WAN level. Um, and then what we do is we then use um, the, the agent that we talked about on those devices um, and using the Zscaler Cloud to broker your access to the internet through Zscaler, but also for your internal applications, whether you're going to the on-prem DC. Um, this particular customer is moving to the cloud. Um, and so essentially, if, they, if they're trying to get into the on-prem data center, your access to um, data center is brokered through um, through the secure access gateway, but also the same um, applies to, to your Azure traffic as well. Um, and all of the access is um, defined. Um, so there's a granular policy that you, you set up um, on the cloud side. Um, what, what the zero trust, what the zero trust um, solution provides is a, is a way to control access based on your user um, identity, uh, but also applications. Um, so you, you define users, applications, um, and you can then define, you can then um, configure policy that says, you know, if you're part of HR, you get access to HR applications. Um, if you're part of IT, you get access to administrative access for your um, servers, your network equipment. Um, so you get down to that, that, that granular level. Um, that's what we talked about earlier around um, least privileged based access. Um, so you don't, just because you're part of the, the organization, you don't get access to everything. Um, you only get access to things that you need. Right, okay. Just mm. decreasing that risk factor. Just when it comes to the actual end user devices, how aware are people, whether it's you know mobile or desktop, how aware are they that there is a, a client of some sort running on those devices? So yeah, I mean it's it's unnoticeable for the users. Um, they, these agents just sit in the background uh, doing its thing, really. Um, so yeah, I think one of the you know as we as we move into, um, I guess, digital transformation and, I guess, modernizing network access, user experience is one of the key key points um, that a lot of the vendors are focusing on. Uh, so it is important that, you know, have, not having to to log into things every single time that you want to access an application. Um, so, yeah, really, this these solutions are unnoticeable. So these, these agents are unnoticeable for the users for the most part. Right, so none of the, um, you know, logging into a VPN, putting in some sort of 2FA token. No, right, yeah, no, it's something uh, I know all too well. It's very, uh, it's punishing. Yeah. When you have uh, companies with um, employees using their own mobile phones, do you ever get pushback from them uh, going, not letting the company put some client side or some some sort of device on, on a phone that I own? Yeah, good question. Um. So there are there are agent list access options available um, for things like BYOD or even contractors. Um, so there are there are other options available to give them access to your internal applications. 
Uh, and also, um, you also want to enhance security. Um, so you don't just want to provide them access because you know they're part of your IDP because they have access to it. You don't potentially not want to ask, give them access from all of the devices. Um, you don't know what kind of devices they're using. You know, if the device at home is just shared across all of your family members, you might not necessarily accessing your 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 service, um, your applications. So there are there are yeah, there's there's lots of smarts built into these. Um, uh, I guess the security platforms. Um, so it's not just looking at who the users are, but it's actually looking at what other devices as well. Is it is it domain join? Does it have um, antivirus installed? You know, has it got a particular certificate that it trusts? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you um you brought that up because it's something I've been um listening uh, to people talk more about uh, and hearing more about in the industry. So, you know, just that, and I don't want to use the term AI necessarily because I think it's overdone and I have no idea whether I'm using it in the right way uh, in this particular context, but that general awareness um, of the platforms to understand in real time that, you know, perhaps uh, this particular device isn't where it would typically be, for example, or um, a link has been shared that shouldn't typically be accessible by this particular other person. Um, that type of real-time awareness of the platforms is that something you see universally becoming just much more, uh, much more common? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, I think it's important. I mean, one of the benefit of these platform is it has all the smart. I mean, because it's all software defined, um, they they have a lot of information that they can utilize to to secure access. Um, so things like locations. Um, any information that the platform can gather about the about the user about the device, they can use that information to um, to further strict um, access. Yeah, it's pretty impressive that you know nowadays with the the software being used, you can um, become aware of, of of issues really before they're they're even a problem necessarily. Um, just that real time reaction. So, yeah. in the SD WAN space. Uh, how have you seen the SD-WAN vendors evolve their offerings to factor in these, these zero trust applications that have become available as sort of standalone entities to really add to their own, you know, unique selling proposition? Yeah, I guess some of the vendors that we, we work with, um, I guess one of the key features of SD-WAN is their application awareness. Um, so they have a team in the background actually looking at different application signatures and, and constantly building up. Um, these signatures um, in order for you to create policy so forth um, so yeah it's, it's very I mean if you if you kind of look at number of applications that are available on these platforms um, it's it's growing continuously uh, and I guess that's that's probably one of the, the I guess one of the reasons why we chose um, our vendor that we work with VMware um, is to is by having uh, I guess a large number of applications that we can choose from uh, in order to do like traffic prioritization, firewalling, um, they also have um, have built quite a strong partnership and integration with companies um, like cloud cloud security companies. Um, so if you look at uh, like let's say VMware as an example, um, they have things like API based integration um, in order for us to build uh, these tunnels from edges directly to Zscaler. So what you can do is you can essentially route um, all of your internet-bound traffic to Zscaler from these edges by a couple of clicks of a button. Um, that's all automated in the background um, to, make, to make it really easy to, and simple to deploy. 
um, as secure as I think it is. Yeah. Right, and, and I guess from your point of view, that's that's a good thing because it means that some of the the lower end uh, networking team or the people in, in maybe um, less expensive roles in the in the company can handle a lot of those. Um, those network changes um, because they're so intuitive, right? You don't need to have some senior network engineer um, making changes to the way an MPLS ran, uh, WAN is is um, is configured. So it just makes it, you know, it's so intuitive that it makes the overheads uh, much less than it would otherwise be. Yeah, and that, that also means that we can also provide some of that control um, to the customers as well. Um, so customers themselves can actually go in, have a look, um, change the traffic policies, change the firewall rules. Um, it is that intuitive. Yeah. So you guys have got this co-pilot strategy, right? But how do you balance the um, the mm. desire to give the client some control with the risk of them screwing it up? Right. Um, Not that your so clients uh, obviously would, there's, uh, there's... I'm sure they're all, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, our customers are really good, uh, right? So <laughs> Disclaimer uh, made now, dish. Yeah. Uh, they have their own due diligence that they need to go through before, any, before making changes. Um, and they, they often consult with us before making large scale change. Um, we, we're kind of there to provide guidance and assistance um, for our customers. Uh, so simple simple changes, they, they might be able to make them uh, make on their own. Um, if it's a large scale change, they'll come, normally come to us, we work together to come up with a plan uh, in the implementation, so. Okay, uh, fair enough. Sounds like you've got a good balance there. Okay, so I think the last question for me is really just whether you've had any scenarios where um, the network that you're dealing with, the legacy network is so complex or perhaps um, so archaic or perhaps there's just some particular way in which a company is running its network or its branch offices that has actually precluded the ability for you to deploy um, a zero trust architecture. Yeah, so I think I think the, I guess what we focused on um, it was mainly around user to application access. Uh, but yeah, if you look at, um, let's say, a manufacturing business with large-scale OT kind of networks, um, you can't really apply the same logic or the same model to for, for these networks. Uh, so, I guess if you look at you know how, how do we adopt a similar model for um, network heavy or uh, for environment where network is required, um, but like wired connection is required. Um, I guess we'll be we, we take a different kind of approach uh, for these particular customers. We don't necessarily rely heavily on software-defined solutions, um, but we look at how do you segment these networks? Um, so we probably look a little bit more like an on-premise um, type environment, uh, but it's, it's, it's about having um, good security um, platforms to, to offer things like, okay, well, if, you're, if you're allowing traffic between different OT networks, how do you go about applying IPS, IDS signatures that are OT specific. Um, but also if you're multi, multi-site, multi how do you segment network between, uh, let's say site A, site B, so um, these scalar networks can talk to each other, but you know, making sure that the corporate networks um, can gain access to your scalar networks. Um, so I guess that's where, um, again, the enterprise grade type SD-WAN solution is quite important in our view. Uh, so being able to do things like network segmentation across your WAN. Um, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I'm just thinking as well. So when mm. we're talking a lot about users, but with the shift to kind of machine to machine yeah. connectivity, how does that how does that change things in this space? Mm. 
Yeah, so I guess what that machine um, comes down to, there are a lot of solutions that are coming out that provides, um, I guess, micro-segmentation, uh, which, which means um, using the server-to-server -server or device-to-device -device access. Um, so, I mean, some of these solutions might look like, you know, you, you put an agent on these servers, um, and th these agents essentially control what server-to-server -server access can be um, can be allowed through. Um, so, you know, some of these solutions have a um, discovery capability. Um, you load the agent, you monitor the, the traffic for a while, um, let's say, you know, three, four weeks. Um, and once you understand what, what, um, what kind of flow you're seeing across the network or between the servers, you can then easily go, Right, this is a web server that needs to talk to this database server. Um, so that that's something that we want to allow at the agent level, uh, but we want to block everything else. Basically, expected behaviors set the um, the accepted permissions from mm. then on. That's right. Yeah, I think we we are to see a lot of that come out um, as well as part of the the whole zero trust access. And I think we'll we'll start to see um, some of these solutions converge. I think. Uh, so at, at the moment, it might be very much focused on server-to-server -server access, user-to-application access. Uh, but I think at some point, these will uh, merge together and make it easier to manage you know, user-to-server access or user-to-application access even more. Okay, well, uh, I'm sure that means a lot more to someone uh, much smarter than me because I am somewhat lost. But uh, that's probably a good place to leave it. So I'll say, uh, Masaki Takeda from The Instillery, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Brendan.